This episode of the Golf Science Lab podcast is sponsored by Rapsodo. Rapsodo makes an affordable mobile launch monitor for any golfer. We all know that to get better, we need better feedback when practicing, and Rapsodo gives you just that. Things like distance, club head speed, ball speed, launch angle, and some really valuable information to help you play your best. They have put this thing up against some of the best launch monitors and have seen really good results when comparing it. It's accurate. I've tested it. We've done some videos. You can go check out what we've seen and all the details over on our YouTube channel. Use the discount code GSL for a really good discount. That is the discount code GSL or click the link on the post that goes along with this podcast. All right, let's get into it. We're on a mission to help golfers from all over the world achieve their goals by understanding what it actually takes to play their best golf. We're talking with leading instructors, researchers, and players themselves to find what is actually working. Hey, thanks for joining us today. You are listening to one of our partner shows. It is the Tour Coach Podcast with Tony Ruggiero. He has some phenomenal guests on talking about teaching tour pros. He'll have his players on. Just always a great show. Today was another great episode. I want to share that with you here on the Golf Science Lab Podcast. Let's get into it. So we're sitting in here, another edition of the Tour Coach Podcast. I thought it was time... Actually, it was a year ago at Pebble Beach, since I was at Pebble, which made me decide to do this. Since we sat down and had dinner, and uh, we taped one of your visits here on the tour, Coach, I thought it was a good time to bring you back, because there's, I got lots of stuff to talk to you about, lots of questions, but uh, Mr. Brady Riggs, Brady, you've had a lot going on. You're in some different places now, buddy. What's going on? Hey, man. Uh, I remember that day, actually. We had a really nice dinner, and then we were hanging out and having a cocktail, and it was a wonderful evening, as always, with you. I'm out here in Hawaii now at a place called the Four Seasons Walleye Resort, and it's paradise. So I'm I'm doing a little back and forth to L.A., but um, very busy, but having a great time. Well, if you follow on social media, I know most of the people do, and at Red Goat, way to follow him. I mean, it's it looks awesome, and I, I think one of the cool things about our business and getting to know people is, like, I know you've wanted – to be there in Hawaii, that's that's a dream situation for you, a dream location. And I remember when you called me and we talked, you were talking about the opportunity. I mean, that's it's a cool thing to see somebody have the opportunity to go teach and kind of, I mean, I mean, really kind of build it from the ground up, from scratch a little bit into a into a premier excellent learning center. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, we did kind of have a clean slate, but we had a big advantage because we were in Hawaii, number one, and at an incredible place. But that's a pretty good reason. It's not a bad place to hang your hat. But we also have this incredible teaching building, 3,000 square feet. We've got three bays. We've got trackman range, you know, all the tech you could ever want. And, you know, for me, I, I love teaching without the tech, but to have the tech right here when we want to use it is, is an amazing opportunity for sure. How has the tech, because I know, you know, we joke around and, you know, obviously in a public or a driving range type situation in Los Angeles and so obviously you're you're really good on the tech. You've been a resource for me that I've bounced stuff off of for years. But don't always use it. Don't always have it at your disposal every day on the tee. Has it changed, helped, 
influenced your teaching the day to day, having it there all the time? Kind of how have you? I mean, what's the effect been on having all that stuff? Just curious. You know, it's a great question. I know I should probably say that I found a new respect for it. It's the greatest thing ever. But to be honest, like I always respected it. I'm glad I know all about it. But to me, on the grass with a client, you know, a player, whether regardless of their skill level, being able to see the club hit the ground, watch the ball fly in the air, you can't beat that. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. You know, it's interesting. I have it, obviously, at my disposal at Frederica. You've been there. It's interesting, but I still don't think it replaces what we do out on the grass, watching the ball, watching how a player does it without, you know, because I think, it, to me, and I'd like your opinion on this as well, like when you have a player, and I'm going to use a swing catalyst, for example, because I have one, but like, and you get them on the swing catalyst, everything's squared up, you know, like it basically aims you, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. everything's squared up, framed up nice, and you're just, you're hitting out at this target out of bay. Like to me, that's totally different than on a tee where there's nothing down, no references, and you got to hit it at a target. And that's, Tony, why I love your wisdom, because that is so true. Like, you can get somebody in a bay, and you've got all everything taken care of for them. It always it looks it, good. It looks pretty decent. <laughs> and then you get on the golf course, and you, I, I can't tell you, because I love pe- taking people out on the course, and we have a huge advantage here because we can take people out any time we want. And right. people cannot set up. I mean, it blows my mind how bad people are at aligning themselves halfway decently having a clue about ball position. They don't adjust for the slopes at all if the ball's below their feet. You know, it's just something I think that, yes, you can do some great work in the bay and you can isolate some things, but it isn't reality. Reality is on the golf course with a target, with a problem, you know, wind or whatever it is, and and being able to watch people actually play golf, I still think is the best way to help people get better. No question about it. And I think that runs true from mid-upper amateur-level golfer, club-level golfer, to junior golfers. And, and kudos to you. You've got some of the good young players from around that area coming out and working with you and being able to practice. I mean, that's really growing the game. And then, obviously, you've got the tour players and, and that stuff. And, and that's fun, and, and we do some of that together. But, like, again, it's uh, it's cool to to see what you're building there, and it's it's been fun to watch. I know uh, I'm looking forward to what looks like it's going to be an October visit for me over there oh, in the can't fall. Wait. Can't wait. It's going to be fun. Can't wait. And, and, you know, Tony, on that point, just I think what you said is so true. Even we've experienced this with tour players, right? Practice round is great, right? Driving range session is great. Get on a golf course, hit some horrible shots. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, that's different on the course than it was on the range or in the practice round. Why is that the case in a tournament that happens? And, you know, I think that's that's why you, there's no there's no substitute for being on a golf course with somebody and, and watching and be able to to play and compete. What's your opinion for why? And and I think this applies to any golfer of any level. Why is it sometimes so different from? And we can use tour players here. Why is it so different sometimes from the range to the golf course? Because it is as a coach. Sometimes it's. I mean, we expect it. I think, but sometimes it's baffling. Yeah, man, I wish I had all the answers to that. I, I think, like, you know, I have a really good friend, Rick Sessenhouse, works with yeah. uh, called Morikawa, a great mental game coach. And, you know, he was talking about your state, you know, your state of mind and kind of where you are. If you're, like, on the range, you're practicing relaxed. You know, you don't have a lot of – you're not worried about the results. And then you get on the course and all those things change. And you want to, I think, for me, what I've found is if I can train people and stress them out when they're practicing – 
I have a better chance of them being effective on the golf course because they're used to that stress and used to that pressure rather than trying to relax them more on the course necessarily, you know, I think is what we all try to get people to do. Right. Sometimes I've got to stress them out more on the range so the golf course is a little more like it. I, I think both approaches pretty much apply, but I, I, that's one of the things that I've done that I think has been helpful. Keeping that thought, one of the things I've learned a lot of stuff from you, and, and I borrow stuff that we've done or you've done all the time, but one of the things that, that I apply regularly is because I, I don't think it's a secret if you listen to this. I do a lot of retreats at Frederica, especially for 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 people that want to get better, especially competitive players, but juniors in particular. And uh, I've stolen your combine work, your combine orama. And I think the stuff you've put together from a short game perspective, wedge in and what it is as far as a combine to train people, I think is as good as anything out there. And I'd love if you don't mind, I'm not going to give away all your secrets, but expand on that and why it works. Because I knew you do it religiously with your daughter, Maddie. I've watched her progression, and I think that's one of the coolest things that I've seen in golf. But would love to talk a little bit about your combine around. Yeah, so I think the whole premise behind all of it is we try to stack up a practice session so that the start of it is technical or a baseline block kind of thing. So let's say we're doing um, putting, right? So we start maybe mm-hmm. on the putting. I love the putting plate. So we use the putting plate and we do technical work for five, ten minutes. Then we go into a short putting combine of three, six, and nine feet, always under pressure and full routine. And then we kind of build into some longer putts and having to try and make some birdie putts, 15 to 30 feet and then putting out those shorter ones. And I think if you train that and you're keeping score, you're monitoring, okay, if I miss left to right putts low, I want to write that down. And and so there's a lot of data points there that really can help, and you're tracking it over time. The person on the course then, they have a, a background of putting under the gun in this combine under stress. They've kept track of what their misses are, so they're aware of that. They've worked on the technical stuff that can help them improve that. They've worked on putting out. They're really prepared on the golf course to hit any length putt, any break putt. They're doing it under pressure in the combine. They can do it under pressure on the golf course. We work on routines a lot. We basically are trying to ramp up all those practice sessions so they're just like playing as much as possible with stress. And I think if you kind of apply that to all areas of the game, you've got a player ready to go as best as you can. Instead of just taking three balls on the putting green and hitting them to the 20-footer, which you're never going to make anyway. So it's just an organized practice, which I love doing. Well, and I think that's where – I think that's one of the things I – like I've always known that practice needs to be more organized. And even, you know, to me it's amazing how many really good players aren't very good at practicing. I mean, and I'm talking tour players. It's amazing how many of them, if you walk the tee, obviously they're better at it each level you go down than each level you go down. But it's amazing how many really good players aren't as good practicing as they could be. Yeah, I think we we see that across the board. and. Sometimes they're really good in some areas. They're not as good as they could be in other areas. I think, you know, what I like to see from somebody is they have a nice mixture of technical practice, combines and drills, and then competitive things, and and then on the golf course work, you know, so that they're kind of touching all those, checking all those boxes, as it were, rather than being, okay, I'm just going to be at the range, you know, or I'm just going to play. I always want to mix it up so that, you know, I feel like we're we're getting – different environments, different stresses, still being a little technical but not too much, and then getting on the golf course and trying to apply, which I think is everything. Yeah, and, and again, I, I know from 
our talk. I mean, that's everything to you. And, and I think that's, but I think that's why, you know, you look at the results you've had. I think that's why your players play better and, and play better when it counts. Because if you do most of the work is geared towards stressing them and then helping them learn to apply it on the golf course. Well, I mean, when then it comes time and they're on their own, I always say it's like, you know, golf's such a crazy game compared to, you know, I remember we would talk all the time and when you were coaching soccer all the time for your daughter. And, you know, you're at every practice and every game. Well, I mean, golf isn't that way for most of our high schoolers or college players or whatever. We're not at all the games and we're not at every practice. And so I think helping a player learn to structure and get more out of practice is really important as far as as it gets to transfer into the golf course. I agree. Tony, I think you said it perfectly. I mean, I think every other sport we played growing up, we had a team environment and coach ran the practice. There was an organized practice session. You know, you worked on whatever in the game didn't work in the last competition you had, and then you feel more prepared to go for the next game you have. You know, in golf, we just sort of – you know, guys take their seven iron and driver to the range and they pick at the same target and they just hit ball after ball at it. And, you know, that doesn't really get it done. They they very rarely work on their short game enough. And then they're, you know, pitting 20-foot putts on the putting green and then they're grabbing, you know, grabbing their clubs and off they go. And that's just not the way to get ready to go have success. And then they get frustrated when they don't play well. You know, we, I want my players to, to feel like they're prepared. And then when they don't play well, we can always go right back to, hey, we need to work on this in training. And then we're a little more prepared for the next time. And obviously, there's no guarantees. We're just trying to take some of those variables away to help them be ready to go. Right. I agree with that. And, and so let's shift to talking about your daughter, Maddie. Tell us a little oh. about what's going on with her and her game. I mean, like if you watch the swings on Instagram, easiest thing for me to do when I'm flying, I cruise through and look at those swings. Man, she's gotten better. She's added some speed. I'm not like a huge numbers guy, and I don't know the numbers, but I can tell you she's hitting it harder. And <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that. And uh, man, she's gotten good. What have you done with her? How have you helped her continue to improve? I'm just kind of curious. You know, I, I think it's fascinating teaching your own daughter and the job you've done, and, and being a coach and being a father at the same time. I can only imagine is, I'm sure at times it's challenging. It is, but it's a labor of love, and she's just really talented, more talented than her old man, that's for sure. I mean, you were around when she was sort of starting to be competitive when I brought her out to Auburn for that camp, and that was a great camp for her and exposing her to to great teachers, which you and I both love to share information. And Mm -hmm. with her, I think just try not to screw her up now is really my main job. You know, um, she's a pretty athletic kid and has figured out her own little ways of doing things. I think my experience of screwing people up in the past has helped me not screw up as much. In other words, like her swing was a little longer last year and she was hitting it really good last year and it's gotten shorter now. And, you know, she was like, is it too short? I'm like, well, you're hitting it further now than you did before. You're hitting, hitting it even more solid than you did before. I don't see a reason to make it longer just so it looks longer. You know, right. John Rom's pretty good. He didn't take it very far back. So, you know, so is Xander Shoffley. So I think just trying to figure out, let the player who is athletic run with the ball. You know, if, if they are better, a little shorter than the average bear going back, then so be it. If they're longer, I don't care. You know, I just yeah. want it to feel like she owns it. And it's not something I'm trying to make look a certain way. And the more she owns it, the better she's going to be under pressure, right? She doesn't have to try and make somebody else's swing. She's just got to make her swing. And uh, she's improving a lot and working hard, and, you know, we're on the journey. So we've got a great coach at Irvine, Julie Brooks, who's 
you know, just an amazing lady and a great coach. And that's really made a big difference for Maddie and given her an opportunity. And she's, she's run with the chance. So I'm, I'm super proud of her and looking forward to the future with her. She's enjoyed her time in Hawaii too. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say both, both daughters, you know, Abby, my youngest Abby, she's doing all my Instagram stuff. She's, she takes both Instagram accounts. She's doing all the filming. So she's great. She's having a ball. She's awesome. Maddie's having, she's really good at it. And she's a good little player. She likes to, tr- she likes to hit it past her sister. That makes her real happy. So, you know, they're a lot of fun out here and, you know, we're just so fortunate to be here during a pandemic. I can't even begin to tell you. So you mentioned, and I've alluded to this, people hear me say it all the time. You mentioned not messing them up, not screwing them up. I'd like your thoughts on that. I think that that for good players is way more important and way more valuable than people think, because I think, and and we're not going to talk about people because it's not late enough for me to talk about people, but, um, (laughs) That's a really good quality in a teacher, somebody that when they start thinks I don't want to mess somebody up because there's a lot of instruction out there, in my opinion, and there's a lot of people that will just take a player that's good and try to put their stamp on them so everybody knows this person taught them. Mm, so and true. So that they can say on their videos and in an article or whatever, well, they were way out of whack, so I went ahead and did this. <laughs> And I and I want your opinion on this because you're. I always tell people you're one of my wisest friends. Like you really do. You always have good insight and and like. I mean, I just think if they're already really good, Brady, like they're probably not really far off the track, and they've probably done most of the shit we're going to ask them to do at some point, anyways. So like, not messing them up and being careful is a really valuable thing to me. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I try and be incredibly conservative with what I tell them. You know, and, and on that point you made, which I think I have this little pet theory of the evolution of a teacher. So when, when we start, when we first start teaching, we are teaching kind of what we're working on, right? Mm-hmm. So we think we've discovered secret sauce or we're trying to work on something. And so we teach everybody what we're working on. And then you kind of grow past that level. And then you find a pattern that really works, you know, and you kind of are either using it yourself or you taught a player or a player came to you with that pattern, which we, we know happens. And then you're like, wow, that pattern's really good. I'm going to teach that pattern to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So then you become a guy who teaches one way to everybody. And mm-hmm. then I think you get to that last stage. And I think you're totally this stage. I realize I'm not just saying that. I believe that to be true. And I think I know Butch is as well, where instead of teaching what you're working on, instead of teaching a pattern that worked for one player, you actually teach that person on how to do it best for them. And you do it mostly by working with them and talking with them. It's like a discovery, you know, of, of the things that worked in the past. So I'm trying to get to that level. I'm trying to get to Tony and Butch's level. I mean, it's, a, it's a lofty goal, but I really think that's the way to do it. You know, like when we get to this point, we want to let the player be the player and we just, we want to make sure we don't try and impose our will on them because generally speaking, they're already great. Let's let them be great. You know, I know that I've had periods of time. I look at people that left me. You know, I'm sure I, I would imagine you say, well, like, I look at people that left me that I was really emotionally attached to because, like, I taught them since they're kids, you know, and then you look back and you try to figure out, like, why didn't it work or why didn't you get the person to where you wanted them to? And I think as you come and then, you, you know, you, like, I don't think that answer just comes to you and you think about it over time. And then I think it always comes back to like, well, you know, like the answer was right there, like had to help them do what they were already good at doing instead of 
always trying to find like the mis like there's this magical herb that we're going to uncover that's going to make them a tour player, make them a winner. And, and I, I, I guess the longer I'm around and out there, I just think that that magical herb isn't there. No, there is no secret, you know, and I think the best coaches that I've ever seen are the ones that are really helping that player figure out why they're good and then just writing that, you know, like mm-hmm. not trying to change who they are, but just trying to exploit who they are when they're good. And I, I really think that Instagrams can be and social media can be a little super misleading mm-hmm. right? because you're just people are putting up their players best stuff and they're not putting up the stuff when they're struggling. And, you know, you don't see where the ball went on a video online. Right. So you don't know where the ball went. And, and so it's, it's just all very aesthetic and it's not necessarily practical. And, you know, I think it, it can be dangerous because a lot of people that are watching, I want to swing like that guy. You know, and, and really that can more often than not, it's going to mess them up. Sure. You know, I have a rule where, like, I don't ever really put on Instagram anything I'm working on with a player, especially a tour player, because I think that the if there's there's a lot of positives, there's a lot of negatives. But like, I think that tour players are, you know, they they're in their own little world, and I think the biggest thing is they've got to believe what you're telling them. And I think the negative with Instagram is you can get some guy who's never taught anybody to hit a chip on the green. <laughs> <laughs> and they can comment, well, don't you think that it's trail arm this or it's trail arm that? And your player reads it, and it's like, you've never said anything about my right arm, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's why I never put anything up. And then if some, you know, some jerk-off wants to comment on something, well, don't you think that? I just delete it and block them. It's like, you know, like, I don't really care. I mean, if you or there's a handful of teachers want to call me and say, hey, I was looking at that video of so-and-so. If you thought about this, we'd talk for hours. But from some guy on Instagram that doesn't teach anybody, I don't think we're probably going to let him comment. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of armchair coaching going on. And I think, you know, Tony, this is one of the things I love about you is, you know, there's a lot of respect for the guys that do this for a living. And I think, you know, they don't necessarily want their stuff all over Instagram about right. what they're working on. and. You know, we owe it to that as professionals. If that's how they are, we kind of respect that. We don't put it out there trying to pump our own name up. And and I think it matters. I think that that level of respect is they've earned that for sure. Look at how good they are. And and you and I feel the same way about that. I'm I want them to be in their own space. What they're working on with me is their business and nobody else. Yeah. If they want to put it up, I'm all for it. But I'm not going to put it up myself. That's for sure. You and I could probably be slanted by some as anti-social media people. I mean, it be, wouldn't be that hard to make that case. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of it's cool. I love looking through it. And I think that there's a real value to the average golfer, a club-level golfer, to being able to go on there and have access to some content. I mean, I think a lot of it's good. You know, I mean, there's stuff I read through that's good. But I still don't think that that replaces – this kind of circles back to that question with you, with, with you know – technology and, and all the nice stuff you got there in Hawaii, like that still doesn't replace walking out on the tee with you and you watching the golf ball and watching them do it with nothing around. No, and I think I would ask you this question because I, I think I know the answer to it. How much of a value in percentage is a FaceTime lesson or a video lesson that you're giving with a tour player worth versus being there in person? I hate it first. I, I think that also it's a, it's a necessary, you know, one of my things that I've tried to get better at, and I don't know that I'm doing great at it, but is to try to 
to be a little more understanding of the times that we live, right? Mm -hmm. And that, like, to say that I'm not going to get better at doing online lessons and people that want access to you that way, like, I think I need to do that. And I think I can be a little bit effective. But I would still tell whether it's, I mean, heck, I did a couple of them this morning. I had a mimosa going, and I was doing online lessons. And uh, (laughs) I, but, like, that still doesn't replace if you put it in a percentage. I can't possibly – I mean, I'd like to ask the student that sometime, but I can't possibly think that that would be a third of the way as good as being there in person. And I know there's people that tell you – and I watch some of these, like, you know, these folks that are huge just online and, like, that's all they do. One, I wonder, like, how do you not fall asleep every day? But two, like, I mean – and they say it's great. I, there's no way that can be as as good learning as being in front of you. And I know that there's people that don't have access to great teachers and money, whatever. There's lots of reasons to do it. But I still don't think that makes it better than standing in front of you. I couldn't agree more. And I think, yeah, there's a value to it. I mean, people that are able to, to send videos in and you can give them some feedback on what's going on. But boy, it requires a lot of conversation with that person in advance, right? Like, what's your what's your miss? What's your good shot look like? You know, how far is that going? Do you hit it off the toe or the heel? I mean, there's a huge conversation that has to happen beforehand that that makes that virtual lesson a little bit better. And if your if your student's into a net sending you video and you can't see anything about what the ball did, you're only just looking at like technique, right? Yeah. And, and we know that there's a lot of weird technique that works. So I think it's better than no lesson, and it helps if you have that conversation in advance about everything that's going on with the ball flight and the miss and everything. But, you know, ultimately, there's still no substitute for being in person with somebody on grass, watch them hit balls, and then get in on the golf course. That's the best way to get better. 100%. And, and look, I've been doing a lot of stuff on uh, Gillis. I had Baden Schaff. I don't know if you know Baden. You would enjoy talking with him from Australia and he, he owns Skillist and, and really tries to put together a great online community. And I've gotten more and more into it and I enjoy it. And I enjoy it from the aspect that as me as a teacher, like it challenges me to try to figure it out online. But right. I still don't think that replaces if you could go stand with me instead of sending a video, I, you know, and, and from a tour player, I think that it's, I mean, I think that you'd have a hard time fixing a tour player all the time by just watching videos of them exchanged. Well, and you and I are living that right now, you know, and I, th- I think that's that's why, you know, I, I value your friendship uh, and also your professionalism because, you know, you know I trust you and, and, and you've been a great resource for me as a teacher, a uh, guy I teach that's on tour, and, and you've, been, you've been eyes for me out there with him and, you know, found some things that I wouldn't have found just because you're great at what you do. And I think, you know, as, as a coach, you know, putting your ego aside and, and being looking out for your players' well-being and their best interest is that's what I want to do. I want to be I want to be that guy rather than the guy that's worried that somebody's going to you know um, do something better than I do. I, I could care less. I want I want my players to get better. So right. that's why you know having that that in-person thing makes a big difference. Well, and, and you know, so folks listening, you've taught Brandon Hagee forever since he was a kid, and the you know obviously all the way to the PGA Tour. I mean, kid, unbelievable and unbelievable talent an unbelievable human being, which is more important than any of it, which I also think speaks volumes about what you do because you don't – I've never met any young person that you've taught at any point in time that's a jerk, right? And you can't say that about everybody. So that speaks volumes for for what you're doing. But so 
we've started, you know, it's the first time I've ever done this, kind of like I'm the substitute teacher, like I'm the pinch hit teacher coming out and helping with Brandon while he's on the road and you're in Hawaii and stuff. So go ahead and talk a little bit about Brandon and what you've done and what we're doing together and how it's different. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm in Hawaii. I can't get out there as much as I'd like to right now, especially during the pandemic. And, you know, it's great to have somebody in the business you trust that, you know, they know what they're doing and, and even can add some stuff to what you're doing as a coach. And so Tony's been kind enough to jump in and and help out Brandon while he's out there and I'm not there. And, you know, I think it's been a really good combination. Brandon's played some great rounds of golf over the last two months. And I, you know, I credit a lot of that to Tony. And, and I think, you know, like we were saying, I mean, in this case, two brains are better than one. Two sets of eyes are better than one. Sometimes you can get a little caught up in, in old stuff if you're, if you've been with somebody a long time and it's nice to have somebody else there who can maybe see things from a different perspective or explain it in a way that maybe resonates differently. So it's been a great coaching opportunity for me and, and learning opportunity. And I think, you know, I'm looking forward to you and I doing more of these in the future too, because I think it's a really good combination. I think it can be really effective. Yeah. And I, you know, I've always done bits of it the other way. Like I always think of myself as, you know, the dumb redneck. So like I, you know, but I always <laughs> have shared videos and brought tons of people in to help my folks. Right. You know, and yes, you uh, have. Yeah, I mean, I can't. And if, if you charged me a dollar for every video I've sent you to look at people over the years, my gosh, you could buy that resort down there. But um, <laughs> but it's been fun doing this together, and uh, I've learned a ton from working with you and from working with Brandon, and it's been fun, but it's different, you know. I mean, uh, I just watch uh, – I think that's one thing that's interesting about going on the PGA Tour and you look at a bunch of the teachers are some of the personalities and the personas and the – images and you know a little bit and uh i mean that you know i don't know that that's my specialty my image <laughs> but we've had we've had a blast doing it and i mean it'd be interesting at some point we had to ask brandon if he likes it but you know he's played a little better and it's been fun but i don't think in any form or fashion we've uh changed anything y'all were doing no i think you just explained it in a different way and and you actually used you know some tech with him i think that he enjoyed i think that was great you know, I think that we're in such a we're a weird business, you know, when you're dealing with a tour player and everybody's, you know, kind of like like a nervous Nancy, right? I mean, we're we're sitting yeah. around like cats in a room full of rocking chairs waiting for somebody to take our job. And it's just the nature of the beast. It's going to happen anyway. So for me, it just is a little easier just to find somebody that I like that I could trust and then we could work together and you know, like I said, maybe down the road, maybe we're trendsetters, Tony. Maybe the guy from Hollywood, California, and the dude from the South are, are really, we figured it out. Who knows? Well, I think that, it, you know, don't you think that that goes, like, tomorrow, weather permitting, which is a big mess across the country right now, you know, I'm going to L.A., and Robbie Shelton and I are going to go visit with Scott Lynn, Dr. Lynn. And yeah. just to give another point of view perspective on something we've been working on, and no, I think that that's valuable. I mean, I don't know, and and I think there are more teams out there now. I mean, I watch from Mark Blackburn. I know he's got a group of people around him. I I know Chris Como does, and I, I think you, you see more of that. But yet, still, I mean, I think the more even teachers could collaborate, instructors could collaborate on a player. I mean, I think it's healthy. I do too. It takes it takes sort of a I don't know. I've gotten old enough that I don't care, and I just want to do what's best for for my player rather than worrying about me. So 
Um, and it's only been good for me, you know, and good. And most importantly, it's been really good for Brandon. So I, I couldn't think of anybody better to hang out with anyway, the two of us. Yeah. Got to figure out a swing. I mean, one of us will have the right idea, right? Maybe. Mine will hook, yours will fade. Exactly. Exactly. That's why it all, it all works together. We're straight together. That's what it's all straight about. together. Stay together. Awesome stuff. Hey, first, man, I'm proud of you and happy for what you're doing down there in Hawaii. I think that, one, I love it when a person chases their dream and goes and does what the hell they want to do. And I think it's cool what you got going on down there in Hawaii and the move you're making over there. Man, kudos. It's awesome. Thanks, Tony. I mean, uh, we had a lot of conversations about it, and you were very positive about you got to go. And you were right, as usual. It's been a great situation for me. So I know you're doing the same on your end. And, you know, when you come out here in October, I promise you a good time. 100% guaranteed. Trust me. Just wait till I get that. (laughs) But but now also, you know, continued success to you and Maddie. I mean, and watching that, I mean, and anybody listening, follow them on social media. It's a cool deal. I think anytime I've got a daughter that's 26 and I've told you this on the phone, she's got her real estate license and selling out. Like you're just proud of when your kid finds what they want to do and is having fun and and you can support it. Heck yeah. No, very, very lucky for sure. No doubt. And to you and Brandon. And I appreciate the little bit of a piece I've been able to hang out and watch. It's been great for me. And, man, I can't wait till we tape, like, 15 of these when I'm down in Hawaii next October. All we're going to do is turn the recorder on everywhere we go. It's going to be it's going to be gold, Tony, for sure. <laughs> we may have three people listen to it, but it'll still be good shit. No doubt about it, my man. All right, buddy. You're the best. Hey, travel safe. I know you're heading back over stateside, and you got lots going on down there. I'll look forward to catching up with you soon, and I'll look forward to talking more with you down there. Aloha, Tony. Aloha means goodbye. <laughs> Indeed, and hello. We'll see you soon. <laughs>